I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live, Randy Robinson, and you know, as we're rolling towards Christmas, I've tried to get a few good Christmas shows in here for you, and today is one of those, and I, I admit, I'm not much of a Christmas music kind of guy, my wife will listen to Christmas music year-round, drives me nuts, but when you sit down and look at some of the old uh, songs, the classic Christmas carols, they're, they're really rich, not just musically, because many of them are, but also they have some some deep theological meaning, and one of those lines from one of those classic Christmas carols is "Heaven and Nature Sing," which is the title of the book by the author, today's guest on the program. And if I can get my mouse to work, I will show you that book. It looks just like this. It is called "Heaven and Nature Sing." It's available, and these are Advent reflections. And uh, I I admit that I am late in life to really appreciating Advent, but the more I, I learn about it and get into it, we're lighting the Advent candle at our church this Sunday. First time I've been in a church where we actually do that. I feel like I've kind of missed out on a lot of beauty, uh, but it's a great time to reflect. And today's guest is Hannah Anderson, and she has some very interesting things. One, th- Well, I'll, I'll bring this up in the discussion later. I'll just welcome Hannah. Hannah, welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you today. Hey, Randy, it's great to be with you. So I um, almost totally, you know, gave away the show. You're we'll just going to give away was, all my secrets. Uh, you know, I, 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 it, it's because I, I, I appreciate much of the angle that you're going at mm-hmm. in this because it's something we don't always think about. But I want to hear it in your words. So when we talk about heaven and nature scene, what what exactly does that mean to you? Yeah, so you were right when you told everyone that it comes from the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, Heaven and Nature Sing is a line that's lifted out of that carol. And, you know, this must have been last year. Um, I was just kind of meditating on that carol and that line in particular. And I had this kind of click of imagination, perhaps, or an invitation um, to say, what if I understood that more literally? than what we typically understand it to be. So it is figurative language. You know, it's within a poem, within a song. But if you look at scripture, there's also this hint that creation is praising God. Um, Psalm 19 talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God. And there's these other passages that hint to a way of understanding the work of creation that I think a lot of us in modern life have overlooked or maybe just haven't considered. And so this was an access point, an invitation to go back to the nativity story and look at the natural elements that if the world was really singing the praises and celebration of its creator, what might that sound like? Yeah, okay, and that's that's what I was going to give away too early because <laughs> here's an interesting note because in the, in the Protestant Reformation, of course, we know all the things we disagreed with, you know, mm-hmm. that Martin Luther disagreed with, with the Catholic Church. Well, we don't often go into all the things that they actually agreed on. I mean, obviously the core ideas of, of Christianity, Christ, the Messiah, the promised ones, the Savior, that kind of thing, we agree on. But we also agree, we just don't talk about it these days, that God reveals himself through nature. Yeah. And so when I saw this, I went, okay, so this is something that I think a lot of us know, especially those of us who, 
like to get out of the city and, and you know, my cathedral is about 11, 12,000 feet and capped with snow, you know, and I'll be there next week. I'm looking forward to it. I, I love being outdoors, not just because I'm like an outdoorsy guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but because I really sense God through creation and you see that too. Yeah. So I love that you say that this isn't just about being an outdoorsy guy or being a person who's naturalist or where I'm from, maybe a farmer or someone who takes care of livestock. That's not what I'm kind of inviting folks into. Instead, it is exactly what you are pointing to, that the creation reveals something about God. And I think historically the church has known this. We we have um, traditions, and if we go back far enough, we understand that the language of nature it's the same God that's speaking in the scripture as within the created order. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is for those of us who are familiar with the scripture, that we would maybe take a moment and a pause and say, well, how are those same truths being revealed in creation? And so I don't think of them as competition at all, but maybe like um, two hands or two ears or two eyes Mm. that they're designed to work together. And if we don't, pay attention to both, we're going to miss something about the other. So this really is an invitation to take the scripture in one hand and the natural world in the other and try to hear the story that's being told. So here's the question related to the topic of the season. How do you see Christmas through the eyes of creation? Right. So this larger frame of attuning ourselves to to the creation's witness, it's something that's been coming up in my writing almost um, before I was aware that it was happening. And then as I really leaned into it and I tried to pay attention to it, it occurred to me that Christmas and particularly Advent is the time when heaven and earth meet, right? This is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating God taking on human flesh, the creator entering his creation. So while Advent and Christmas are a natural time for us to think about the story of Christ's birth, it's also theologically a really important cornerstone for us understanding um, the witness of the material world. Mm. So for me, there was just all this layering going on, and I wanted to invite people into that perspective, but also to recognize that this might just be the perfect time of year to do that. Yeah. I'll take it any time of the year, <laughs> but you know, so the danger, and we we should acknowledge it, is that we worship the created mm-hmm. instead of the creator, yeah. and and I you we can we spend the rest of the show giving examples how humans have gone wrong uh, and elevated creation to the level of God. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do we how do we put that in its proper perspective? Yeah. Well, for me, it's remembering what all of this is witnessing to. So it's remembering what the goal of the testimony is. I We can go out and I can go out with someone on a walk in creation that doesn't necessarily um, believe in Christ. And we can see similar patterns and we can see similar shapes and testimonies. Um, but my faith is going to say there's a Point. There's a target. There, there's an object to the witness of creation, and it's pointing me back to God and His attributes and the way He works in the world. And this is what um, Paul says in Romans that the attributes of God are clearly seen. It's not just that His existence is seen; it's that the way He has designed the world reflects something about the way He works. Mm-hmm. And I think something as simple as um, 
you know, observing how a seed, Jesus taught this, how a seed falls into the ground and dies. And if it dies, it's going to bring forth much fruit, but it has to die for that life to come from it. And he's speaking of his own death and he's speaking eventually of the resurrection, of course. Mm -hmm. But that fundamental frame that is detailed in the scripture, we're given the shape in creation. Um, so for me, it's always remembering that there's a larger thing that it's pointing to, that creation itself is not the large thing, um, that the creator is the transcendent one that we are worshiping together with creation. Yeah, that's that's so good. It would almost be like, um, you know, simply going to an art gallery when the artist is there and, and admiring the art, but it completely ignoring the artist, <laughs> you know, it just be kind of rude. <laughs> there's there's an old phrase that says that uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder and i was th thinking about i think about random things at times but i was thinking about that and i was like you know there there i guess there in some cases there's a level of truth to that but also not really because mm -hmm. something is beautiful whether we recognize it or not uh and i i think nature in, in a lot of respects falls into that um what is the beauty of God's creation show us? Yeah. You know, I think the thing for me about nature, the thing that's beautiful is that it is truthful, right? So we can sentimentalize nature. You know, we can think of all these ways that it's so lovely to take a walk in the wood, but like I just tell my readers, um, nature will also kill you if given the chance that this is not a tame um, creation outside of its creator's rule and reign over it. So one thing that I really appreciate about the testimony and witness of creation is that we human beings have a great capacity to delude ourselves. Um, but creation stands as a faithful witness to all that is good and all that is wrong. And we have to deal with reality when we come face to face with creation. Um, but beyond that, I think um, it also has an or a holistic nature to it you know colossians one says that christ is before all things and by him all things consist and that the work of christ in this world is to bring to order the reconciling holistic he's reconciling all things to himself whether it's in heaven or on earth and that this is the gospel that's preached through all creation and so there is this ordering and integral kind of continuity um, a, a hidden wisdom that finds its meaning through Christ. And in a time that's very chaotic and disorienting, I do think creation can sometimes witness to that hidden logic that there is um, purpose and meaning and a reconciling um, of all the disorder uh, to be found in the creator's rule of his creation. So for me, that's the beauty. Um, it's honest and truthful in ways that we aren't. It's also um, interdependent and re it's being reconciled hmm. through Christ. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've, you touch on this in your books, but I've noticed this as well, is that when you're talking to people who, uh, maybe they're new Christians, but especially if they're, they don't know God at all, they're, you know, they're not Christians at all, um, you can talk to them about nature to reveal God's truth and they'll get it most of the time because mm -hmm it's right in front of them, especially if there's somebody, you know, if you know that they like hiking or surfing or something like that, you, if you understand the 
the nature of nature and the creator, mm -hmm. uh, then you can, if you're, if you're wise and discerning, you can sort of talk about what they know to show the greater truth. Yeah. And yeah. you talk about it being a bridge in your book. Yeah, I, I am increasingly convinced that in our, in our post-Christian context is where our, our society is headed, for sure, in the West, that we're losing categories and language. Mm. It, it is very difficult to um, witness and argue necessarily from the scripture anymore because people don't hold it as authoritative. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so I can argue from that, but it won't be effective and it won't have meaning for folks. Mm -hmm. And so I do think there's um, an opportunity to build bridges, to find common ground in the sense of, well, let's all stop and look at the world. If we have nothing else in common, maybe we can at least see something in creation that is shared. Now, we might, you know, disagree on the meaning of it. We might disagree on whether it points to Christ or not. But at the very least, we can agree on the shape of something. And so I feel like in this time that's so um, conflicting and so disoriented, maybe that's a place of common ground. Maybe there is something at least um, that we can begin conversations with folks. And and you see Paul doing this, right? This mm -hmm. is Acts 17. This is um, Paul at the Areopagus where he is appealing to this shared understanding of some kind of created um, norm that we are somehow um, beginning our witness with that. Um, and so, yeah, I think we're going to have to really even maybe begin by educating ourselves. Maybe yeah. we as Christians haven't thought in these ways because we've relied um, so much on our own understanding of scripture, which is true and good for our faith. Mm -hmm. um, but we might have to learn how to think in these ways to communicate with others as well. Absolutely. I mean, we Jesus did it. So let's learn from the master and do it as well, you know, explaining the truth of God to fishermen by talking about fishing, you know, explaining it to farmers by talking about farming. I think you can explain it to someone who has some connection to the outdoors in terms that, that will start to at least, to use a metaphor, plant a seed, you know, that can yeah. produce some fruit. All right, this is Hannah Anderson's book, Heaven and Nature Sing. It's available now wherever you get books. It's got a nice, it's got a nice touch to it as well. I was telling her before we started, I like it's got this kind of cloth. It's a, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good book to hold as well. So, good one to recommend. Um, are you excited about Christmas? Yes, um, <laughs> I am not ready for Christmas, <laughs> but I am excited about it. Is, um, is is this like the title of the song from which uh, your title of your book title comes from, Joy to the World? Is this the most joyous time of the year for you? <laughs> well, you know, I have learned that it doesn't have to be. And I learned that through Advent. You know, you mentioned, you know, that folks maybe are discovering Advent or they're just coming into it. I had a similar experience where I wasn't raised with cycles of Advent beyond maybe a, a calendar that we counted down from December 1st to Christmas. You know, that was we didn't even the do sum that. total. <laughs> yeah. So um, in the last few years, I am a relatively new um, person to come to Advent. But what I found was an invitation and permission um, to be honest about how difficult this time of year can be, too. Because one of the things, you know, we mentioned about nature telling the truth. 
part of what we're trying to cultivate in Advent is a true understanding and honest understanding of why we even need a savior in the first place. Mm -hmm. And what's curious to me is that our cultural rhythms around civil celebration of Christmas have no space for that. It's not just that, you know, we might sideline Jesus as part of our celebrations. It's that our celebrations begin um, with force, you know, the end of, you know, right after Thanksgiving, maybe before, but it is this, um, you know, Christmas is the final last big celebration of weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of celebration mm -hmm. instead of the first of the celebration. So I have found in the past that just the kind of expectation to maintain that level of celebration for so long um, is really hard to do, especially if you're going through a difficult season, if you've lost someone, if there's someone missing from your Christmas gatherings and the expectation that this would be the happiest time of the year doesn't always line up with what we're actually experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I think Advent gives space for that kind of longing and lament and honesty mm -hmm. where we're allowed to reflect and name the ways that the world is broken, that we long for the coming savior, both in his first coming, but also in his second coming because historically Advent has also been kind of looking forward to the return of Christ when he would set all things right. Um, so there is joy, but it's more joy in the acknowledgement of our need and the hope that that need will be met in Christ. I, I know Christmas is tough for a lot of people. I mean, three days after Christmas, 10 years ago this year, lost my younger sister. Um, mm -hmm. And aside from people that have experienced that kind of loss, it also, you know, if your family relations are not good, it can be stressful. Uh, it can be lonely, isolating. Uh, if you're financially strapped, it can be real depressing. I know I've had tough years where it's like, I want to give good gifts, but what, you know, I, I just don't have the means. Um, do you think that there is, any connection uh, to maybe getting past the commercialism and the pressures of Christmas and looking to nature and, and finding a wealth and a richness and a peace that is out there. Sometimes if we will get beyond ourselves and beyond the hustle and bustle, especially for those of us who live in big cities yeah, and kind of go, okay, God, I just want to get with you this Christmas mm -hmm. season. You know, one of the things my husband and I have started doing is taking a, a Christmas day walk. Really? Because by the time we get to Christmas <laughs> and we've had dinner or whatever else has happened, we're exhausted. And and there's a need to kind of step away and reframe. Mm -hmm. And going out into nature kind of um, gives you that space and that margin to remember what is essential and what is basic and real and you know that's not just my experience of it that's the way that christ talks in the gospels when he when he speaks about um the worries that we have right so we worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear and all of these things that take up our minds and our anxieties and he calms us by saying consider the lilies consider the birds of the air. So yeah. there's a command here. It, it's, it is an invitation, yes, yeah. but I think it's a bit of a command too. He says, look at the birds, look at the flowers. Now I want you to think about them. Your heavenly father takes care of them. Mm -hmm. Isn't he going to take care of you? And in those 
very short verses, he's teaching us a pattern for how to entrust ourselves back to God. And it's to recognize that the creation trusts, entrusts itself to God, that there's not a sparrow that falls mm. that the father doesn't know about, that the flowers are dressed more extravagantly than Solomon, um, that they, they don't toil and spin and, and everything is cared for. And so when we step back out into nature, it's an invitation to enter into the way that nature trusts the father. And, you know, especially at this time of year and all of the busyness and all of the, the chaos and disruption, I think there's an invitation there as well um, to maybe intentionally set aside time and take that walk or just even if it means stepping outside for five minutes from the gathering um, and pausing and reflecting and considering how God cares for his world. It's the same way he cares for us. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to be more attentive. Usually my post-Christmas walk is because I ate too much food and just trying to, to get it. Like, well, I need a walk, all right? Yeah. Uh, that, that's good. It's so true, though, so true. Here's an interesting bit, and this is, I interviewed someone recently, and, and they brought up the fact that when, the idea of dominion in Genesis, to take dominion over creation, is not to lord over or to rule over in the sense that we often kind of think of it, like I'm in charge kind of bit. No, he said it was, what his words were, to work and hold or something like that. The idea being, though, that you, you cultivate and you preserve, and you mentioned that nature will kill us. And yeah. that anybody, no, seriously, you anybody that knows, I like to snow ski, and I've gone out of bounds before, and I'm like, I don't need to be out here, you know, because avalanche, you get lost. You know, I didn't have a beacon, so it's just stupid, right? I've been hiking in places where, you know, three feet to the right, it's a drop, you know? So there, there, there is this dynamic in nature uh, where it's, it's overwhelming. But yeah. the idea of cultivating, to me, says, you know, if you don't cultivate you don't take care of your yard, it's going to be full of weeds. If you have a garden, it's it's going to stop growing things unless somebody works it. And I think right. that reflects a deep truth in our own lives, yeah. where if we don't have the master gardener cultivating mm -hmm. our lives, we will tend towards weediness. Disarray. Right? Yes. Right? Dysfunction. You, so you... you did you farm when you where you grew up in Pennsylvania? Yes. Yeah, so my husband and I both grew up in kind of homesteading environments, which is part of the reason that we got together in the first place. Uh -huh. We understood something about the other person. And to this day, we're not big farmers, but we have our garden and we're always, you know, every summer we put up food. And um, so it's definitely a rhythm that comes out in my writing. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think, you know, not gospel truth, but I've learned more from the cycles of cultivation mm. and gardening about um, spiritual formation, about the work of parenting, the work of ministry. My husband, uh, for a long time, we were involved in local church work, small local church work. Um, and so these realities are both about what we are tending, but what's being tended in us is really significant to think of Christ as the master gardener. Yeah. Um, that 
there is fruit that is being brought forth in our lives through the work of the spirit, not just our own cultivation. And I think what we um, have a choice in is whether we resist that work, whether we allow it, we receive it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we also go through cycles of dormancy. And I think that can be really hard to accept. Um, but again, the creation does itself. So, yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to let the land rest. Any farmer will Mm -hmm. tell you. Yeah. That's that's very interesting. Did you meet your husband at a barn raising? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, but we did meet in college. And the reason we connected is because, um, we had a shared language and I had met so many other people who didn't that when we finally started talking about things, it was shocking. Um, I had had enough space where I, I began to realize this wasn't as common. Huh. Um, you know, you take for granted what you grow up with. Yeah. Um, and then I met enough people who didn't know what, um, you know, how to raise chickens or whatever <laughs> else. <laughs> So when I met someone who did, it really caught my attention. <laughs> well, when the world falls apart, I'm coming to see you. <laughs> we'll serve, we can survive off the land together. Uh, Hannah, this has been this has been good. I, I love this raising awareness uh, of creation in with the idea that, that it does bring us and can bring us at least closer to the Creator. Uh, I want to show people your your website, and I have a, I'm curious about the name of it because this is what mm-hmm. it looks like. Of course, it has your book, but it's sometimeslight.com. Where where does that come from? Well, um, about 10 years ago when I first started writing, um, you know, I wanted to build a presence online and my name's Hannah Anderson. So I was going to make a website named Hannah Anderson, except that there is a children's clothing brand named Hannah Anderson. And they had already secured the rights to every version of Hannah Anderson that you can imagine. So um, this was a song that was actually very meaningful to me at that point in my life. And it's a very old song um, written by um, Cooper, William Cooper. And it says, sometimes a light surprises the Christian while he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. And it was just capturing the sense that we can go through very dark, dormant cycles in our life, but that God's grace can come in like that shaft of light in the most unexpected ways at the most unexpected times and that god um, is not going to leave us alone in the darkness that his grace will come and so then it became sometimes a light and i've just carried that forward i like it i like it it's it's catchy and yeah it's very nice okay so what else do you have at the website and you got your other books and- yeah so other books um you know Folks can find links to where I'm on social media. Um, I do have a presence on um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, such as it is. And um, then I've also got articles that I've written for other um, places that talk about, um, you know, just nature and communal life and um, what it means to uh, bear the image of God in our spaces that he has placed us in. Love it. Thank you so much. This has been an enriching conversation and good to kind of just pause. It's been a busy week for me, so it's a nice way to to end it, hopefully to get to a place of reflection and, and rest and really get into the Advent season and not just the busyness of Christmas because it drives me nuts. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Randy. It's been great. Appreciate all you guys out there. Be sure to check out Heaven and Nature Sing wherever you get books. Sometimes a light.com. 
need a little reflection. Come back next week. We've got more for you here on Life Today Live.